You hear me clearly? You hear me well? Excellent. So, um, title of this message in this season is God's Love. And um, I want to, I'm thinking last week, um, last week's message should be under the same title. Um, to answer your question, Lindsay, absolutely, you can pray, sure. Um, I think that uh, last week's message should be under the same title because we talked about free, how high is free and real freedom, but now I want to talk about the love of God and, and the, the, how deep it goes. It's, it says, though my mother and father cast me out, you would take me in. His word talks about that at one point, and I'll get into some more of that. But it, it's amazing to me how the picture that we paint of love and what we look for is usually human. We look for the love of God and what humanity has to offer. We look for the love of God and what people display. And unfortunately, a lot of times we compare the way people treat us to the way God loves us. In other words, the people have always expressed disappointment or rejection or, you know, punishment, you know, that's the way we relate to the love of God. So we, we will treat our children like that. If we get children, that's the way we were taught. We were more clear on the punishment than we were of the love when it comes to God. Am I telling the truth? We know God gonna get you. We, we grew up knowing that. And when I talk to believers, I realize that they are more confident in God's judgment than they are in God's love and deliverance and God's mercy and grace. It's sad, but it's true. And I am a person who, by the very nature of God's word and understanding and goodness, know better than that. In my, the forefront of my mind and heart, but I'm starting to realize there are traces that are deep, deep in me that still see the judgment of God or the harshness of God. I'm gonna give you an example. I was um, coming home one day and just driving in the car and Jesus said, picture me. And I had to stop to picture Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. Because right away, the Michelangelo white Jesus popped into my mind. Right away. Now, I know because I'm matured enough and studied enough and learned enough that Jesus was Middle Eastern. And he would not look like that image. He would look more like what they look like over there in Saudi Arabia or wherever else. He would look Middle Eastern. But I had to realize that the core belief of what had been sown into my mind my whole life from a child all the way up still had residence in me. 
And the fact that the Lord said, picture me, I realized I couldn't. I had no idea in my mind. I, and then I began to reflect on scriptures because right away, I, I, I started trying to paint, paint him pretty, if you understand what I mean. I, once he asked me to, then I started to try to color my view. I tried to definitely give him some color, of course, right? Tried to give him some 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 hair more like mine, curly or some some dreads or something. I don't know why we think that he had long hair flowing down his back. So we have to transpose that with dreads. He could have been bald headed. Doesn't say, but we again, this image has been sown. And so I'm now I'm trying to superimpose my what I want to believe on top of what I do believe. Are you with me right now? So I started trying to recreate an image for him. In other words, I was trying to remake him in my own image, in my own likeness. I was trying to form my savior to look like something that I could be okay with because I didn't like the Michelangelo image in my mind. How many of you be honest when you heard me say, picture his image, that your mind went to the image that you knew and grew up with as a child. The, the, the white, blue-eyed, blonde head, blowing in the wind, skinny dude with sandals. Now, all this is going somewhere. I said, God, I know what you should look like as Jesus on earth I'm talking about but I don't know what you do look like. Then he said, now describe my love. And Amelia had to acknowledge, I know what it should look like, but I don't know what it does look like. I know what I think it should look like, but the only thing I have to equate it to is human love and acceptance and rejection. And that became a very strong moment for me and gave birth to this message that I'm doing. I don't really know your love. And because I don't really know it, I don't really know how to give it. I don't know how to love people the way I'm supposed to love people because I don't really know how you love me and what that love is supposed to look like. Anybody bearing witness with me here today? It hurt me. It hurt me. Because I would want to believe that I know God's love. But as I said in last week's message, when we went from Isaiah 25, we judge God's love by material things or physical things or earthly things. If we get the car we pay for, if we get the house, if he, he blesses our kid, if he, we get the, uh, the college we want, if we get the raise, if we get the job if, and we, we assume God loves us by the tangible things that we see. And we assume he doesn't 
or he may be upset if we don't see that flow. I want to be free from that. And I want you to join me. I want to know God's love. So I'm going to take you to the very first scripture that God brought to my heart when I started thinking about God's love. And a lot of you probably going to guess where I'm going. But if you haven't, I'm going to John chapter three. And I want to look at it from more than just a verse, God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son, his only begotten son. And I want to take a deep dive into that. So if you go with me to John chapter three, I want to start at verse one. Um, now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Stop and take a picture of that. There's a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a scribe or a Pharisee. He was a leader. I want you to understand that he was of a group of people who did not embrace Jesus. I need you to understand this before we go any further. This wasn't a friend. This wasn't a, a partner. This wasn't a, 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 a member of Jesus's church. He wasn't a, a, a subscriber to Jesus's teachings in that way. He was of the body of people that rejected Jesus, who would later on turn him over to the Romans to be crucified and killed. I need you to understand that Nicodemus is a leader, and he could not associate with Jesus and keep his title and his position. So to stay in that role of leadership, he had to not like Jesus, at least publicly. Are you, are you with me on this? I need you to understand that the state of this man had to come from, if he loved Jesus, he had to be quiet about it because he was a leader. Then the next verse makes sense. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, now that makes sense. He came at night where no one could see him calling Jesus teacher because they didn't accept Jesus as a teacher, didn't accept Jesus as a leader, didn't accept him as Messiah, didn't accept him as anything. They thought he was a heretic. So he comes to him at night desiring to have a, a understand a relationship or communication with him. And he comes to him at night and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher who has come from God. They did not believe that. I need you to understand that this man had chosen to believe and, and, and knew in his heart that Jesus was from God and he was a teacher, but he could not be public about it. And this is why he came at night. I wanna talk about the love of God. I want you to see something in the love of God before we just read these verses. Because Nicodemus' place, Jesus said at one point, if you be ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Yet this man comes to him at night 
ashamed of him before men, but in front of the disciples, he says, I know you're a man of God. Now I could do a whole message on church people who know how to talk and know what to say in front of church folk, but when they get outside amongst their friends and everybody else, their conversation is totally different. But we're not going to do that today. That's not what this conversation is about. This conversation is about the focus of God's love and the focus of his goodness that no matter where you're coming from and, and how you're trying to sneak it in and bring it in, he loves you so much that he will always steer you to the direction that you need to go. I want to say to you today that no matter how messed up you may be and may have been or what you may have done just yesterday or 10 minutes ago, if you're coming to God with a heart for truth, he will, by his love, take your silly behind conversation and your dumb question and guide you to where you need to be, which is truth. And the truth is his love for you. So watch this. He says, he comes to Jesus at night. And he says, Rabbi, I know you're from God. For no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God was not with him. So I'm going to have to accept you got to be of God because you're doing God stuff. I don't care what my friends say. I'm going to tell you myself privately that I know you got to be of God because there's no way you could do the stuff that you're doing if you're not from God. Jesus replies to him, verily, verily, I tell you, no man can sing the kingdom of God lest he is born again. Now, I want to have a quick conversation about this. Because if you look at this, it looks like Jesus didn't answer his question. He comes to him and says, good rabbi, good, hey, great teacher. Oh, my man, you must be of God because nobody can do the things you do unless he's from God. And Jesus' response is, you must be born again. So Jesus immediately says, let's not focus on the things that I'm doing, and let's focus on where your spirit needs to be. You need to be born again to see the kingdom of God. If you want to understand how these things work, if you want to understand how I'm doing the things that I'm doing, then I'm saying to you, your focus needs to be not on the things that I can do, but on the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is for you now and what it means to you and who you are in the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must lay down who you are and become who you need to be in order to understand the kingdom of God. You can't see or understand the kingdom of God. There's no sense in me even trying to explain to you what I do and how I do it because you don't have a born again spirit. You have an intellectual spirit. You have a, a leader spirit that's not in line with being able to see the things that I say and do the things that I say when I say to do them at the time I tell you to do them. And this is important. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked? Surely he cannot enter his mother's womb a second time, right? Now, think about the, the response. He asks one question. Jesus answers another question. He doesn't say to Jesus, yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things you do. He picked right up on that conversation because Jesus was answering the real question of his heart, not the question that he was sitting out intellectually. But he immediately goes back to being intellectual and says, you can't go in your mother's womb and be born again. How could that be possible? Your man can be born again once he's born. So what am I unfolding here? 
I'm unfolding that Jesus in his spirit and in, 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 in his spiritual awareness of who he is, that he was God in the flesh, he knew immediately that the way I needed to address this is to bring you from your fleshly view of things to a spiritual view of things. Can you understand and say amen to that? God is saying, if you want me to bless you and you want to walk in the kind of blessings that I walk in and you want to see the things I need, I need you to see things from a different direction. I need you to see things from a different perspective. You can't keep bringing your fleshly perspective to spiritual things and trying to understand why they don't work or why they do work. So right away, he went right back to what he can think of logically, going back up into his mother's womb. So that means in his mind, born again can only mean one thing. There's only one way to be born. And that way to be born is physically. Are you listening to me? I'm bringing this to you about the love of God because let's, let's put this on the table first. First and foremost, I want to bring something to your attention about the love of God that I never saw before. Are you ready? Here it is. The fact that Jesus came and died was for a reason and we focus on the death the burial and the resurrection but what is it for well here it comes jesus said in order to see the kingdom the first step i'm doing is giving you the opportunity to be reborn let's take that in for a minute that means i'm giving you a fresh clean slate and a new start that's how deep this love goes that means if you're coming to me and you want to understand how my kingdom works and how I do what I do, I'm telling you the first step is I'm giving you the chance to act like you were never born before and all the sins of your past is dead and gone and all the ways you defied me and went against me and, 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 and ignored me and, and cursed me and whatever. I'm wiping the slate clean and I'm giving you new start. First step is you got to be born again. So born again is not the experience of going to the altar, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and saying, oh, I got chills. And now I know I'm born again because I'm going to heaven when I die. That's all of these are fruits. The, 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 the reality is there's a spiritual rebirth that you are no longer what you were in the realm of the spirit, even if you still are in the flesh, that God has canceled your record and in the realm of the spirit, giving you access and permission to a place that you had no right being. You're new. You're different. I feel different. I feel, I felt chills when I, when they said the words and I prayed the prayer. None of that has anything to do with the spiritual implications of what happened. Spiritually speaking, you were destined for hell. You were bound to be judged by the sin of mankind, period. Not just your own, just the state of man. When man fell from God, the state of man and the nature of man was sin. And whether you made a mistake or not, that was your outcome. Now, he's saying that's been wiped clean. So the first act of his love was to remove the old you and give you a new place in his kingdom. You're born again. You're a new person. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Why am I dr drilling this in? Because I want to make sure it gets down in your spirit. You have been changed. You're not the same person. You're not the same idea. You're not the same, you know, 
what makeup anymore. You've gone from being a spiritually dead with a limited lifespan to an eternal life being. You've gone from have, being a person that may live 50, 60, 80 years to being a person that has an eternal life span. Right now, not when you die, right now. Not when you die, right now. You are e an eternal being right now. Not only eternal, but eternal with an origin that's God's kingdom. I can shut the book right now and say amen and just send everybody on about, about their business. The love of God is so strong that he wanted to recreate you again back to his image and likeness because in the fall and sin, man lost that. You got it back. But I just did, what you're acting out of and who you are is two different things. I'm telling you now, you are eternal being with an origin story like the superheroes have that's from heaven. So if, if, if Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider to get his power, you got blessed by an unradioactive Jesus to get your power. You are a superhero now. You've been changed. Your origin story is different now. You got a new place. I could stay on that for the rest of the message if that's what I need to do. But I need to make sure you understand it's more to this thing than, well, I got saved, I went to church and then they threw me in the water and they pulled me up and then they dried me off and then all of a sudden I was a church member. Good for you. But the story goes much deeper. I'll move on now. So he asks Jesus this question. How can a man be born again unless he goes back in his mother's womb? He goes back to his intellect. And Jesus answers and says, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And if you listen close to what he just said, you're going to see something. You should not be surprised at me saying to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. I may not go past this verse. He went back to the original question. Nicodemus's concern or question, if you ask, if you really think about what he's asking Jesus is, how are you able to do the things that you do? You must be from God. He wasn't thinking about eternal life. He wasn't thinking about being saved. He wasn't thinking about joining the troop and walking with Jesus. You never heard about Nicodemus again from this point. He did not become a disciple. It is not, you follow what I'm saying? There's people got out there, got books of Nicodemus and all that stuff out there and whatever, more power to them. I'm telling you, there's nothing recorded that says he became a disciple. But what is clear is he asks a question based on what he saw Jesus doing. Are you listening to me? As a Christian, have you not asked the question, how did Jesus do that powerful stuff and how can I do that? The word said, greater the works than these shall I do. 
yet I'm not doing greater works. The word says I should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm not doing so great with that. I've tried it. It's not working. The, 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 you know, it says I could be healed. I could have hands laid on me and be healed. It doesn't always work for me the way I hope it to. You know, you know, my knees are all met according to his riches and glory. Yeah, well, maybe sometime, maybe sometime not. Does anybody here understand what I'm saying right here today? So Nicodemus, like you're doing some stuff here. There's some great miracles coming off of you. And I'm submitting to you today that also should be coming off of us. And he said, how do you do it? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Something about the way you flow must be changed from the root to the fruit. You cannot flow intellectually or in your flesh and see the things that I'm, I'm doing or even function like that. He goes to his mother's womb and Jesus says, listen to me. Unless you're born of water in the spirit, he, 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 he alluded to the baptism that would happen. But then he goes on to brought and spirit, your spirit must be changed. And he says, uh, for flesh gives birth to flesh. Listen to me close. First, flesh gives birth, birth to flesh. Let me change it like this. Fleshly thinking gives birth to fleshly things. Fleshly thinking gives birth to fleshly outcomes. That's what he's saying. But spirit things give birth from things from the spirit gives birth to things of the spirit. Are you with me? Now, watch this. Stay with me. Stay close. Stay close. Stay close. Stay close. You should not be surprised at me saying to you, you must be born again. Don't be shocked that I'm telling you that you can't look at things the way you look at things and get results or see my love or see my move. Don't be shocked by that. And then he goes on and makes this analogy. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Look at me. Listen to me. Get me close. Everyone who is born of the spirit supposed to move like the wind. He just said it. It flows where it flows. You can hear it. You can see the manifestation. This tree is knocked over, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. What he's saying is, if you're really moving by the spirit, you shouldn't be predictable. If people know you, they know what you do. They know how you act. They know how you're going to come out their mouth. They know how to push your buttons. They know how to, if they can predict your flow, oh, yeah, I know you're going to try to run over things, take charge. If you are that predictable, you're not flowing like the spirit. If you flow like the spirit, you're supposed to come in and come out and nobody understands what happened. They could just see God was there. So, I'll say, God told me to do this. I don't know what, why I'm doing it. And I'm Edward, you talked about it over me a couple of weeks, a week or so ago. And I just say, I don't know. He said, go on vacation. I went and then I came back from vacation. Said, God said, I'm gonna live here. I don't know why. I don't even know how. And I want to let you know, at the time he told me I was going to live here, I didn't really didn't even have the, the finances yet to support Angela and then live here, especially since I had given her a chunk, a bigger chunk of the check. 
my point was, well, God, well, how is that going to work? He said, are you going to flow with me or not? I said, oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to flow. But my intellect, how can, how can I be born again unless I go back into the womb? You know, my mind, it went, it went Nicodemus. But I just flowed with him. Got it? I just flowed with him. And he manifested. And things have happened since then that you guys know about. I just said, I'll just do what you say. I don't know what else to do. So I got into a, a real big debate because I was being tortured, I guess, <laughs> because somebody felt me buying a new car was not being practical or logical or made sense. And I was ridiculed. And my response was, I just follow God. If he tells me to do it, I do it. I don't ask a bunch of questions. Well, that's not reasonable. You're, you're, you're not using wisdom. You're not using common sense. I, listen, I'm like David. I can't fight an armor that I don't trust. You're asking me to put on a logical view of life and a point of view of dealing with things that goes against everything I understand. I've done it that way. It's never worked. I tried it that way. I tried taking a little God and a little faith and a little scripture and a little born again and mixing it with intellectual logic and the outcome has never been good. They don't mix well. The flesh is enmity against the spirit. The flesh wars against the spirit. It fights against it. Logic, are you listening to me? Your logic will fight against the truth of God. Every single time, God will say, take a stand, take a move, do this. Your logic, your flesh, everything will jump in and go, let me go ask a couple of fleshly people what they think and see if they're going to confirm the spirit. And they'll go, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's a good idea. And now you are not going to flow like the wind. You've made yourself predictable. And that's why I've said, even in vision building, once you submit to somebody else to tell you who you are and what you're worth, they're going to always put you below them, not because they're trying to make you smaller than them, but they can't make, they can't see you above where they are. And if you come into them asking them for their advice, you by your own definition have put yourself under them. So they have to speak to you from that position. If you come into me and you're telling me you don't know, and if you don't know, then you means you're depending on what I know. Well, the Holy Spirit, let's read this one more time. You must be born again. He said it. Very, let me just read it all. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, verse five, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, or fleshly things give birth to fleshly outcomes. But spiritual things give birth to spiritual outcomes. You should not be surprised at me saying to you, you must be born again, or your approach to the way you look at life and everything must change. Watch this. You should not be surprised when I say you must be born again. Why? Because like the wind, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. 
So who, so is everyone who is truly born of the spirit. People get annoyed when you say God said, don't they? People that don't know what you know. They get irritated when you say the Lord told me, don't they? They look at you funny with a twisted face. A lot of Christians and church peoples and pastors and leaders look at me funny when I say, well, the Lord told me to do thus and so. Well, the Lord don't care nothing about that. Why wouldn't he? He said every hair on my head is numbered. He, if he cares about every hair on my head, he cares about every dollar in my bank account. You can say what you want to say. I'm telling you he does. Let me ask you a question. No, let me not ask that question. <laughs> that, might be, that might be a weird question. <laughs> no, I'm going to ask you. God knows the number of every hair on my head. You want God to be more concern, concerned about the hairs on your head or what's in your account? <laughs> I'm like, God, my hair is good. <laughs> number, number, number my account, please. You know, because I'm not making it about money, but I, but I am. Truthfully is, my needs being met. I don't care if I got a head full of hair, if I got an empty refrigerator. Am I spot on here? I, you know, I can put a wig on. I, can't, I, I can live without hair. I can't live without food. You don't want to live without hair, but you can. You can't live without food. You can't live without sustenance. You can't. God cares. But the way he wants to bless me, and I'm going to bring it home right here, cannot be contemporary. Your expectation or how God moves in your life can't be normal if you want to move like Nicodemus wanted to move when he asked Jesus, how are you doing all these great works that you do? You can't move natural. You can't move normal. If that's your flow and then you keep saying, God bless my normal, it's not going to happen. And let me give you a couple examples before we wrap it up. Jesus in the wilderness. Thousands of people followed him. It's getting late. The disciples said they're hungry. Shouldn't we send them home to get something to eat? Jesus said, no, they'll faint on the way. They'll lose hope. I don't want them to go away hungry. You're not listening. Jesus don't want you to go away hungry. He don't want you to go away with your prayers unanswered. He don't want you to go away confounded and confused and not knowing how you're going to get through the next day. He doesn't want you to walk away without having a solution. He doesn't want you to. He said, no, don't send them away because if you send them away, they'll faint. What he said is, you know, me pass out faint. He meant faint also with food from hunger, but also faint and losing hope. He just sat there and heard all these wonderful words from Jesus. And now you're going home starving and can't even get home. And they didn't have cars and stuff. They walked and, and, and had caravans and, and it might have been days worth of walking for them to get home. I don't know the whole story like that, but I know he said it's not good to let them walk away empty handed. You think I'm wrong about that? Well, let me see if I could do that. This is in, 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 in the book of James, then he says, if you tell people be ye warmed and filled, but you don't give them what is needful, are you useless? Are, are you really helping the kingdom? If you can't give me something other than to say, well, I'm praying for you. Oh, church folk is good. Well, I'm going to be praying for you. Okay, but can you help though? Can you help above praying? 
So Jesus is saying to these people, don't let them go away because they'll faint. I'm going to feed them. But how are you going to feed them? You got only two fish or, or two fish and five loaves of bread or have a different stories have the number of fish and bread different. And there was a couple of occasions. But I'm going to go with the, the, the five fish and the two loaves of bread. Let's go with that. This, that sounds good. To feed thousands of people. Now, here's where that Holy Spirit moving like the wind and you not knowing where it comes from. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Here's where that comes in because now he's about to do something unconventional. I'm going to bless it and then I'm going to spread it out and I'm going to feed everybody and then I'm going to gather up 12 baskets. So I'm going to wind up with more at the end than I started with. That's some kind of movement right there that you don't do that if you're born of flesh because flesh gives birth to flesh. It needs to be a spiritual move for something like that to have. Okay, let me give you another example. So he's at a wedding feast, his very first miracle, and they're out of wine. And go to his mother says, go to him. And he says, put the water, fill the things with water and go put them up on the table. And then the minister, the, the, the people at the party are going, wow, this is better than the first wine. This is the good stuff. Okay, so wait a minute. How, do you, how are you doing that? You got to move in a way that people don't normally move to see that kind of progress. You got to flow like the wind. You got to go to the left and go to the right. And people see you coming and they see you going and they see what happened. They go, whoa, how'd you do that? Elijah sowing seeds in a drought and he gets, creates this great big giant harvest to eat when everybody else is starving. You don't sow seeds when there's no water, but he did. Are you with me? Jesus moved like the wind. He just went this way. He went that way. And nothing he did was conventional. Nothing he did followed the flow. Everything he did went against the flow of man's logic. You want to see the power of God? You got to be willing to flow like that. And his love provided that for you. He said, you must be born again. And if you take this opportunity to take the spiritual rebirth, I will begin to move with you in ways that's not contemporary. It's not, it's not logical. It'll go against what everybody else thinks you should be doing and feeling and saying, but they'll see me in the end. They'll see things that they can't put their finger on, describe, or, 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 or come up with a reasonable explanation. But are you willing to receive his love in a way that he can really make you born again, that you flow like the spirit? He said, this is every person who is born of the spirit. They flow like this, not pastor, not a person here, and a T.D. Jakes there, and a somebody there. He said, this is what is the function of everyone. Are you listening to me? So is it with everyone who was born of the spirit. Not everyone who got saved and went to church. Not everyone who says they're born again. But everyone who is born of the spirit. This is your flow. Claim it. Claim it. This is your flow. God gave that to you in love. We didn't even give him the fact that he, he died for you yet. We didn't even get to 316 yet. We just got to the first couple of verses. This is your guarantee.
So is anyone who is born of the spirit. You flow like the wind, you move. They don't know where you're coming from. They don't know where you're going. And I'll end it with this. When I saw that scripture many years ago, it took years for me to lock onto it because I was so caught up in my flesh and still trying to do it the way I do it. And I didn't have a me to teach me what I'm learning. When I saw that scripture, that's when God showed me. If you will throw your oars out the boat and toss your outboard motor over the side, that's out of gas anyway. And if I'm a wind, then just put out your sail and just let the wind take you where it's going to take you and stop trying to control the direction. See, if you would just let that wind flow through you like that, God going to make you do some things and go some places and consider some stuff and take on some things you never thought about doing. And you're going to win. And you're going to succeed. And you're going to walk away. And people are going to look at you funny. And people are going to talk bad about you. People are going to disagree with you because they don't flow like that. They can't flow like that. They won't flow like that. So either be anchored to them or cut your anchor, put out your sail, and let the Holy Spirit take you like that wind that you come and go and nobody understands how you do, what you do, where you do, where you're coming from, and where you're going next. Father, we thank you today for your word. Teach us how to flow. Teach us how to let go of this world and all of its anchors. Teach us how to love those who don't get it, but still not be tethered to them. We need you to show us how to be, as you described here, such as everyone who is born truly born of the spirit. I claim today that we accept our place. Thank you for loving us enough to provide that and to return us to that vehicle of being born in your image and your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.